you know, I've always been a heat runner. Um, I love running the heat. I, I like the feeling when I run a 20, 22 miler in the middle of the day and feel like maybe I died a little bit. You know the feeling like where you're like, man, part of me feels like I just died. That, that's kind of what I like. You're listening to the Run the Riot podcast where we talk about all things ultra running. I'm your host, David Terrio, and man, I'm pumped that you are here. Let's see what we can get into today. Hey, my friends, welcome to the Run the Riot podcast. Today, we've got another Louisiana boy uh, named Walker Higgins. He's a friend of mine, and Walker is a beast of a runner. He's got a background in uh, doing adventure races, and he's done some really, really strong 100-milers. And uh, we'll kind of talk quite a bit about um, how he got into to running uh, ultra marathons, but uh, he's also a race director for a series of races around southern Louisiana, some really cool, really original uh, type races you might want to look into. I'll have all the links in the show notes. And uh, Walker has run Badwater, and um, he's trying, he's, in fact, he'll be in it again this year. So really interesting. We get into pretty good depth about um, uh, how his race at Badwater went and what went right, what went wrong, what went crazy. And, uh, man, really interesting stuff. And so uh, check out my friend, Walker Higgins. So, Walker, how's it going, man? Oh, pretty good down here in Louisiana. All right. How's the weather down there, man? Uh, Today it's actually uh, 74 degrees and probably about 90% humidity. So um, we're... We passed up spring and we're just rolling right on into <laughs> oppressive, nasty weather. Not, not, not surprised in the least bit. We're about to have uh, tomorrow's snowpocalypse up here in Oklahoma. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping for a snow day tomorrow and I can stay home. So, yeah, nice. total opposite. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, man, um, so you and I, you know, we're both from louisiana and um you know we've we've run some races together and done some are are been in a lot of the same circles and all and and uh man i i I know some of your background and uh, i know you're from uh baton rouge port allen area um but man tell me a little bit about like like uh you know you're growing up and and when did you get started in in you know doing endurance sports and running and all that yeah, so man, my my background, of course, from Louisiana, like you said, um, Louisiana boy, been Baton Rouge pretty much my whole life for uh, Port Allen. Um, you know, my my background really uh, started um, endurance sports started in adventure racing. I kind of went from doing nothing to adventure racing, and um, doing nothing means like race wise, you know. I, I was yeah. an avid um, workout guy, gym guy, and then I heard about this adventure racing stuff by high tech. I think that was in like 2001, and I was just kind of intrigued with it. And of course, back then you would see the, um, the Eco Challenge and other mm-hmm. type things that they would put on ESPN, um, and it, it just kind of um, it got it piqued my interest. I, I went out from not even ever doing anything like that, but casual 
running to um, buying a $1,500 Cannondale mountain bike and getting <laughs> into <laughs> getting into adventure racing. Um, nice. If anyone knows me, I've I've never really go half in on those things. It's like yeah, I kind of oh, picked that up that? about you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. So, um, but you know that that's what kind of um, started everything, and that was probably 2004, I think, uh, okay. my first adventure race. And uh, I, I say that adventure race, a lot of people don't know, but adventure racing, um, they start off with sprints, and in adventure races. Um, it's typically three disciplines. Uh, you have, uh, mountain biking or, you know, riding bikes, um, running or trekking and, um, canoeing or kayaking or paddling. Um, and those are the three disciplines, but you navigate through point to point. You're on a team and you stay all together. Gotcha. Um, so it just, it, it brought in the team aspect. It brought in the challenge aspect. It, it brought in the mental and the physical. And, and I remember the first race I did and, my team didn't do so well, but afterwards, I think I said aloud, I, I found what I want to do. This is what <laughs> I want to do because nice. it was just super competitive, um, and I'm I'm like competitive to the core. Um, so that that was kind of when I first got my race, real race experience. But my my endurance um, starts with with what i did as a, as a kid um if if you look at any casual day for me after school i went to an hour of taekwondo an hour of teaching taekwondo an hour of soccer an hour of football and then i was going home i mean most days were you know three to four hours of sports and then home and then probably running around the yard so <laughs> it was it, it was it, everything i could get into i i, I did so um and, and, you know, and I had two older brothers and they, they kind of did the same thing. And, and it just was kind of part of what we did. And it was it was never a chore to go run around the soccer field and do sprints. It was always like, that's what I want to do. I, I was yeah. like, OK, that's just what, what you did. Yeah. And, 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 you know, go sorry. ahead. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, when um, so. When I was in high school, I I was just so used to to running, um, and it, it kind of spawned into um, I wanted to start working out because you know I wanted to get bigger. I wanted to you know look yeah. like that muscular body that that I that I wanted as a teenager. So it turned into more lifting. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I once I got into college and I, I had some injuries with with different uh, body parts just because I was bigger and lifting. I, I I kind of said to myself that I, I needed to do what I was built for, and I could always go crank out seven thirty miles on repeat, even when I didn't run, or eight minute miles, and and so I knew that that's really what my calling was, and yeah. then it kind of just progressed over say a you know the last ten fifteen years into what it is now. Nice, nice. Well, and and, and it's interesting because. So you're you're um, getting into the adventure races because I, that that was never I never I don't remember seeing um, a lot of that in in Louisiana or it was never on 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 my radar. Like how did you get plugged into that? Like did you do were there were there local races I just didn't hear about or did you just you know travel quite a bit doing that stuff? Yeah, so there there actually was uh, one of okay. the larger organizations 
was um, called um, Gulf, Gulf Coast Adventure Racing Company. It was by Dave Polito, and they had they had seven to eight adventure races a year um, in Louisiana, and it was that was from two thousand probably three or four, okay. and it went all the way until and just a couple of years ago he had a, he had his last race, um, but you know it it really peaked, and so. Um, kind of going into the recession is when it was like heyday tons of people like there was races i think there was one race there was like 101 teams and this is three person teams oh wow um so the struggle there is how do you have that many canoes to (laughs) to for these teams now you're you're gonna be at at different um parts in the uh in the race and there's gonna be different times where you're at for the um for the canoe section or whatever those disciplines are but it, it's still a struggle so they they there were that was the struggle then and it it was it was highly competitive they had a lot of um very skilled athletes and those races spanned his races um spanned from louisiana to mississippi to alabama and florida and we raced all over um participating in his series and probably my team probably did seven to nine races a year for five years um so i and maybe longer than that i've always said i think my number of adventure races is probably in the 60s to 70s range wow um and and yeah so i mean think about the wealth of knowledge when i started ultra running that i had Mm -hmm on what my body does later in races. Um, you know, so (laughs) I went into ultra running like a, like almost like a seasoned veteran, even though I didn't actually do the set discipline for, you know, 12, 15, 20 hours. I was doing other things mixed, but, um, so in with, with adventure racing, I've done races that start off. I was kind of saying this earlier, a sprint race, you might have, um two to six hours and then you have like a medium distance race that will probably last up to 24 maybe 36 hours Mm. and then um the multi-day races or the 72 hour to all the way up to 10 day races so okay um, um yeah so yeah so you were you were no um uh, no stranger to sleep deprivation, uh, extreme exhaustion and pain. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not, not at all. Uh, you know, I, I've actually, um, uh, in 2008, I think I did my first maybe, um, overnight adventure race. And so that would be like 12 hours. You'd try to finish the race in roughly. Um, and that was just bonkers, just I mean, I remember one of my one of my teammates laid down in the street and it was daytime the next morning. And I was like, what are you doing? I yelled at him and um, <laughs> this guy, Dalton, and actually he called me a little while ago. I missed his call. So it's kind of coincidental. But um, he he said, I said, get up and run. And I remember him yelling to my team and I, I am running. <laughs> but, he was literally laying on the on the asphalt. So nice. uh um, so yeah, it definitely gives you, uh, some, some, um, experiences to draw off of for, you know, for ultra running and then the experience of 
you know, the, the food and the intake and what you do there. Um, so I, I knew going into my, say my first hundred, man, I knew I had already done, I don't know, three or four 72 hour, um, mm. adventure races. So I knew I could keep going that long. I yeah. just didn't know I could necessarily run that long. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so when, when did you, um, so you made that transition, you know, um, what, what got you into, like, what was the first thing that, that got you into doing ultras? Uh, well, um, it was kind of bridged from adventure racing, um, okay. in 2009, um, Cesar Torres with, uh, Q50 races, which is, mm-hmm. um, if, if, if people don't know Cesar Torres, he's one of the nicest race directors you'll ever meet. Um, yeah. he wrote, he hosts races all over Louisiana and then occasionally he'll host a race in Costa Rica or France or Italy, or he's really, um, put races kind of all over. I think even in Nicaragua and some um, coffee farms and oh, wow. just re- really, really neat stuff. But so he was coming to Louisiana and he was going to ro- host his first race in America. And that was, uh, the Q50, um, uh, I think he just called it Q50 50K at uh, Fountain Blue State Park. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was the first introduction to to ultra running. And honestly, it kind of look back on it now and hear about the craze that people had with ultra running in 2009. And I didn't even know about it. I think I might have read an article or two in ultra. I mean, in um, uh, Runner's World. Yeah, but. I was still very far removed from it. It was, it was not really something people talked about in Louisiana. Yeah. So, yeah. um, my team, my adventure racing team. So, uh, I'm kind of skipping around, but I apologize. So no, all good. Uh, Cesar Torres promoted it through Dave Polito, the adventure, uh, the adventure racing guy I was telling you about, mm-hmm. uh, that he was going to have a ultra run. And, what better platform than adventure racers that go, you know, six to 10 to 12 hours or longer um, than that group of people. So it was a perfect bridge. So my team was like, let's do it together. And, um, and we were like, uh, I don't know, two months out. And I said, I had just done my first marathon the year before. And I was like, I was like, no way. We don't have time to train for that. It was like, you know, we just don't have time. I'm not, not doing that. Well, yeah. so two weeks before my team called me and they're like, look, this weekend we're going to Fountain Blue State Park. We're going to do a 15 mile run and we're going to, uh, we're going to do the thing in two weekends and you're coming. <laughs> and I was <laughs> nice. like, what? And I, didn't, I mean, I didn't have kids. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have any obligations. So no Sunday, excuses. you want to do that? <laughs> Whatever. The, yeah. Okay. But at that time in my running career, it was not like it is today where I can pick up and run 15 miles tomorrow or, <laughs> or right now if I wanted. You know, it's just it was a different mindset back then. And I'm thinking, oh, God, OK, if I can get through 15 miles, then I can get through 31, <laughs> which doesn't necessarily. Yeah, I'm about to say that doesn't make sense, but oh, well, <laughs> they don't really uh, that doesn't really add up. But that's what I said at the time. And I guess I was probably like 26 or 27 at the time. Yeah. And so. So anyway, um, went out to Fountain Blue State Park and I guess we were, you know, 12 days out from the race and I was like, okay, let's do it. So we, we ran and we actually, uh, did like some speed work in the final mile. And I was like, okay, I can do it. I'm going to sign up. So my teammates, Dalton and Dustin and I 
ran the entire distance all the way until 20, like three miles together. Yeah. Um, and then Dalton kind of fell behind and Dustin and I ran the next, uh, whatever distance and, um, ended up finishing. Dalton came in shortly after us, probably 15 minutes or so. And, um, that was my first ultra and, uh, Dustin and I literally ran stride for stride into the finish, like sprinted. And, um, I mean, we were both crying cause we had, you know, never experienced that much uh, emotion at the end of an event. And yeah. that was, it was very moving. Um, and, and, and since then, uh, you know, Dustin and Cesar Torres, the race director, and I have had this great bond as just great friends. So it was, that was, you know, the start of my, uh, ultra running and, uh, very thankful for it, that it was in Louisiana and with people that I definitely consider lifelong great friends. Um, but after that, I, well, I wasn't, um, shying away from ultra running. It's just, it wasn't really readily available and I wasn't mm -hmm. also really actively seeking it out. Yeah. Um, I was more into the, the adventure racing. Um, and we traveled, my team was nationally ranked at the time. So we were kind of nice. traveling all over the nation, um, as much as we could, at least going to Georgia and different areas, trying to, you know, pick up these, these, these points for big adventure races. Hmm. And that was kind of the focus. Um, and so I kind of didn't do any ultra running again until, uh, 2012. So hmm. I had, had a good little, uh, rest away from there. And, um, 2012, I promoted, um, an ultra trip to Arkansas and that's kind of brought this new life of ultra running into Louisiana because I had, I think it was 18 participants plus my wife and I, um, rented, rented a coach to bus huh. and loaded up a trailer and went to, um, Lake Sylvia, Arkansas to run the full moon 50 K, which you've done, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. That's a hot yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was, it was hot. And, um, none of these people had ever run an ultra except me. I was the person that was bringing 18 oh, people to run a cool. race. Yeah. <laughs> and so like race day, we had like, I think four people upgrade to the 50 K. They were like, I'm not trained. Okay. I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, <nice. laughs> and so I think like 12 of us did the 50 K or something crazy. And no one, you know, people in Louisiana didn't do 50 Ks in 2012 really. Yeah. Yeah. And, sure. uh, and so it was, we, we just had a great time and man, all this, that's Ed Melanson, Jason Jeffers, Ryan Cope. Um, I mean, just a whole list yeah. of people that, just didn't do that. And now they all do ultra running or, you know, they just run all the time now. And so it was, it was definitely like a trip of a lifetime because we camped out for two nights and we camped at the park where the race was. And we had our own race shirts that had made for us. And it was just a super cool trip. That's cool. And that's a fun, that's a really fun race. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's hot and it's muggy, but it's, it's fun. It's a good, it's, it's a good race. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And it, it, it is definitely, it, it's first time beginner friendly. Um, and a shout out for that race. I do know that that race is, I believe it's July 25th this year and it's the last year they're putting it on. I saw that. Oh, uh, really? So, I, I yeah. I knew it was changing. Um, uh, the race director was, uh, but I, I just assumed that I guess somebody else would be doing it. But 
Oh man. Or, okay. well, may, maybe someone else is picking it up. Maybe yeah. I read it wrong, but um, okay. Susie, I can't remember her last name, but um, mm. Susie lives out of state now. And so she comes back just to put that race on. Um, but I, I think it's just kind of, you know, that's, that's a lot to do to travel yeah, yeah. Like in Carolina <laughs> or something. So, but, uh, you know, a little shout out for that race. If anyone does want to run that, it's, it's a good, um, first time, first time race. Even there is some climbing, but man, the, the, you run literally downhill the whole last yeah. 15 miles. So that's a pretty nice finish, right? Oh yeah. I make up some good time at the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cruising. Yeah. Well, uh, so, so yeah, so you did, uh, so that was your second 50 K and, and then, I mean, I guess, you know, from there you, um, I'm, I'm looking at your ultra sign up right now. Um, then you did, uh, what hundred K for a uh, Cajun coyote. Or did yeah, you that might have, I think that was that year. I think, um, 2012, maybe I did a hundred K. Is that right? I, I, it says um, 2013, but I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, actually, uh, uh, two friends and I, we picked, um, we did this for like three years in a row. Um, the first weekend in December, there used to be quite a few races. So we would mm-hmm. do a, uh, we'd run our own 5k. Then we would run a, um, jingle bell run, or I can't remember exactly what it's called. We'd run that as a 5k and yeah. then we would drive out to, um, one of Cesar Torres is it was a 14 mile at at midnight on friday night we'd drive out there and then we would drive back to baton rouge and do the baton rouge beach half nice <laughs> nice. and this was all in like a you know like a 10-hour period yeah, so it's like crazy. four races so and and actually the next year is is that uh the cajun coyote 100k we did um two uh we did two 5Ks and then drove out to um, to Cajun Coyote and did 100K <laughs> the next morning. So that nice. was Jason Jeffers, Ryan Cope, and I. So, yeah, that was my <laughs> that, second one. And um, maybe my, my third might have been – I mean, my not second. That was my third. Maybe my fourth might have been when we raced at um, Bobcat Bait. Is that right? Oh, I think uh, you had a Wilson Creek uh, frozen 50K in Idaho or something oh, before that. Right. It looks like, yeah. yeah. I drove out. I went out there with the, <laughs> the race director, Jeff Beck. You know, yeah. It's, it's weird. Once you get into the – really get into it, you start making friends with race directors and deciding to go do crazy, stupid stuff. So Jeff Beck and I flew out to uh, to Idaho just to go run that race, and that was really uh-huh. all we went there for. That's cool. That's awesome. You know, and, and, and you just said about the, the Bobcat bait, uh, 50 K and, um, man, I, I didn't even remember that we both, I, I knew I ran, I ran it, but I didn't remember that you ran it too, man. That's, that's crazy. So yeah, we were, <laughs> that's awesome. In fact, yeah, I played second. You won. <laughs> nice. Oh, well. good, good job. That's why, I guess that's why I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you remember and I don't. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. So, um, what, so was Cajun Coyote your first hundred miler too? Yeah, Cajun Coyote, um, in Louisiana was was my first hundred, and you know that kind of happened at my wedding. Um, a bunch of, <laughs> fr- yeah, a bunch of friends that that started their ultra running at the full moon 50k the trip i put on had now run a hundred miler and i hadn't and ah. ed, Melanson, ed Melanson lifted his shirt up and said yeah but you don't have one of these <laughs> nice. yeah and so and that he's talking about his uh 100 mile cajun coyote buckle 
Yeah. And so right then and there, I said, I'm getting one this year. And then I, and then I looked at Gabby, my wife, this is at our wedding. And I said, Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. oops. <laughs> so, um, so that's what, that's what started it all. So, or that's, that's what got me to, got me to pull the trigger and decide on which one to do. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. That's, that's cool. So, um, now before we get into, because, because, you know, from that point on, I mean, I remember, uh, when I was helping out, when we put on, um, red dirt ultra the first year with, uh, with Edie and, um, and, and you smoked that thing, um, you know, 1659 first year. And it's not a, not a super easy course, not, you know, super crazy technical or anything, but you, you did amazing on that. But, um, and, and, and even after that, you, I mean, you did, we'll get into some of that stuff, but, but where in all this did you start? I mean, you got your own racing company now where you, you put on your own races. So, so where did that happen in, in the middle of all this? Yeah. So, um, and so many different fingers we can go off on for this, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> the, uh, the race business, um, started just because I had done hundreds of races from five K's to adventure races, to ultras, to marathons. And, and I, and I like to create. It's my personality is to create. And the the only problem is a lot of times I create, and once I create it, I want to move on to the next thing. <laughs> That's also yeah. my personality. So um, I created the Canefield Classic um, in 2010. Um, that was my first race, and I still have it going. It's going to be its 11th year this year. Um, so the Canefield Classic is this race that's grown, this cult following really nationally um, and some internationally, which is crazy to me because yeah. it's a total of seven miles. And But the, the big deal is, if anyone's listening to this podcast, <laughs> the big deal is you get a machete as your finisher medal. Um, and the reason behind that is because you're running on, um, actual old plantation land and you're running through sugarcane fields. So hence the original way of cutting down sugarcane was with machetes. So there, if you do all seven distances, it's back to back to back. There's a one mile, four mile and two mile in that order. You get, you know, this badass custom etched with logo in it machete that's like 25 <laughs> inches long or something crazy each year i change it so i cap it at 500 people and people normally don't travel for you know unless if they're going to like the peach the peach tree 10k they might fly into that but typically you're not going to travel <laughs> for anything less than a half marathon maybe not even a marathon you know yeah, you, yeah. you're not going to go far i've had people from the Bronx. I've had people from what? Alaska, from <laughs> Canada, from, I mean, literally California. People fly in. They're like, I'm coming to get that machete. <laughs> <laughs> That's and awesome. so um, that that race is what spawned me putting on other races just um, because of, you know, just wanting to do it and getting more involved in the sport. Yeah. Uh, but it, you know, that was in 2010, my first race. I didn't put on my second race, I believe, until 2000. Oh, wait, I'm I'm kind of losing about three or four years there. I actually, <laughs> sorry, I actually worked for some nonprofits consulting, putting on races because I had done really well with this. They found me and were like, hey, we want you to put on a race. So I did oh. that for a couple of years. It worked out pretty well. I helped yeah. grow their events. 
Um, and then I decided I wanted to start putting on more of my own. Um, so I formed, um, uh, I kind of expanded on Beast for a Day, which is a, um, it originated as a group of friends seeing how many laps they could do at this really hard trail in Louisiana. And it turned into um, a, a pretty successful ultra race we have now that's 12 hour um, race. And so I've put that on since 2014. And and then that turned into Children of the Cane and the Woe Trail series. So my race business is called Woe Race Woe Racing Co. Um, which Woe like W H O A um, that stands for Walker Higgins Outdoor Adventure. Um, nice. So that's kind of how that came about. Um, I, I wanted some you know marketable name for something that I was doing. So Woe. Yeah. Anyone that knows me kind of I kind of knows I go to the extreme a lot of my races don't even follow trails they just run through the middle of the woods so I wanted like an action word and I kind of thought like whoa because people kind of like leave my races like what what the f you know (laughs) what was that yeah right um so it kind of worked out perfect but you know and it's 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 expanded in so many different directions with different races and things like that and so well, so so your uh the the Canefield Classic and Children of the Cane, um, th- those are on on family land, right? Family cane fields, right? Yeah. So um, Canefield Classic and Children of the Cane both run um on a lot of family owned sh- sugar cane fields, and a lot of that property we've had for a couple hundred years. Um, so um we as a family as a whole, we we have a whole bunch of land in West Baton Rouge, um, and it it's um some of it is is not necessarily continuous like you might break off part of our property and run along another family's land that i that i you know get permission from and then we you run on the levee for a bit and then you might get back on our land and you might run behind the levee i mean so depending on the race it kind of weaves all over west baton rouge Um, but yes those are all on family land and um you you pass plantations and you might even have a tractor running down the middle of the field while you run by. So, yeah, it, it makes it pretty interesting and 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 it, just a unique experience for sure. It's 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 pretty um it's pretty neat. So well, it, definitely it's, Louisiana vibe. That that's what I was gonna say. It's definitely Louisiana. I grew up in in St. Martinville on four acres in the middle of Canefield, so that was my playground, man. I'd we'd ride our bikes down the headlands and run up and down the. So when I when I saw you had a race out there, and I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty awesome, man. That's how I grew up, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny how many people have come to tell me that. They're like, man, this reminds me of being a kid because they grew up next to a cane field, and so they would. You know, they might have a dirt bike or whatever. And, you know, funny you say in headlands because a lot of people don't know what that is. So the headland is the road that runs down the fields. um, So tractors and such can get in and out. And it's um, but that's definitely a a lost term that most people don't even know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the the interesting thing about it and I and I haven't done I haven't done either had the opportunity to do either one of those and uh i need i need to come get me a, a children of the cane buckle man so i'm gonna oh, do yeah. that come at on. some point i'm come coming i'm year. coming yeah <laughs> and uh, uh, november 14th yeah oh that might actually because i'll be done with the triple crown if i'm still in one piece oh uh, yeah. yeah we'll see we'll, we'll, we'll yeah we'll see we'll see we'll talk yeah but um so the cool thing about it is is, is it's i guess it's really flat but 
like like you and I know out on those can fields, if it ends up being pretty wet, it can be <laughs> it can be a it can be a booger out there, real muddy. Yeah, definitely so. So it's it, it's super flat in the entirety of say Children of the Cane hundred. You might get 300 feet of elevation, <laughs> nice. uh, but depending on the month or two prior to it, depending on when those tractors ran through the fields, if it was raining or not, you might have ruts. It might be super flat. It might be powdery because if it's really dry, sometimes yeah. the fields just turn to like this powder that covers everything, this dust. Um, but it. It, it is i i think personally it's a very friendly first 100 miler but by no means is it easy i mean no 100 miler is easy right um but it's definitely going to challenge you you have some instability you're going to have whatever whatever the growers which are the basically the the people that we contract to to run our property or the other fields whatever they however condition they leave the roads running through the fields that's what you're going to experience <laughs> yeah, nice. and some sections are are worse than others uh, but like this past year i was really worried i made an edit to the course literally the day before and it ended up like it rained the day before and then it just dried out and it was like the best course. and now and now we have this great course that ended up being 16.666 miles <laughs> yeah well if you if you times that by six, it literally equals a hundred miles. So That's it's like crazy. the perfect course. So it, it just ended up working out perfectly. And it took us a couple of years to get to what I, what I thought was the, the right course, but I'm really, really liking this one. And it, it gives you a lot of different views. You know, a lot of the yeah. time you're running straight through the cane fields, looking at cane around you. <laughs> Other times the cane might be cut depending on when the harvest was. Um, you run down some sections of Creek, you run down through some tree lines and then you run about eight miles or maybe seven miles per loop on the, on the levee top. So, um, it's pretty nice. And then this year we're actually going to have, um, odd and even you're going to reverse the loop. Uh, so you run okay. one way and you run the other way, you run one way, you run the other way. And so I think that's going to kind of, um, help break the monotony a little bit of it too. Nice. Um, so. So yeah, pretty uh, pretty excited about um, 2020 um, Children of the King. Wait, didn't I see? Um, was it last year? Um, some video of I don't know, like uh, I don't know, torches in a tunnel or something. <laughs> <laughs> that was I think that was two years ago. Okay, so right. um, there's giant uh, through the property, uh, which is some of our family property, there's one of the main drainage canals for West Baton Rouge. And um, there's these just giant, um, yeah. Um, like a culvert or something? Yeah, like a giant culvert or tunnel. Um, and so I decided that I was going to run the course down into the ditch and run. have you run through it. I mean, okay, I've done, I've, I've done some crazy freaking races and nothing – is going to deter me from it. Uh, it's amazing what how many people out there like hate you on the course though. But I kind of <laughs> I, I kind of love that aspect. I want people to hate me when they're out there. So I had them run through there. Uh, you know, it, it it's maybe not the best thing for um, 
when it was definitely uh for that course it, it was a that distance we that route we had that year it was it was an avoidable um obstacle yeah, yeah. Uh, but i still did it and and it did create some of the coolest pictures you ever see in an ultra yeah yeah they were really cool i remember when i saw that i was like what did walker do that's awesome <laughs> you know one of the things that is super neat about um children of the cane is um this year it's going to be at right about 93 miles or 90 let's see 92 miles um a few years ago i started the tradition so um in my family's old um sugar mill which is basically abandoned most of it was sold off in the 60s um the original smokestack is still there uh, uh, and so at 92 miles you go and you climb your way over all this concrete you might have saw online that people had to like crawl under these obstacles with torches that was another area you might have seen we might have been getting the two confused okay um, but you go into the smokestack and i have the book um the out Al- the alchemist uh, which is an amazing book and it's done about transform uh, transformative journey and so you go in you have to crawl your way to get into this at 92 miles and you get to sign the book and the only people that get to sign the book are anyone that is running a hundred mile distance and they pick wherever they sign and um so every it's the same book every year so it's like you know i get to go back and look at that and you, it's almost like a rite of passage so uh, i mean that's you, cool you're gonna make it to the finish most likely if you got you know seven eight miles left so um by that point it's just all downhill and majority of the people that get there it's at night and so we have all these torches that are going (laughs) and it's just like this epic scary feeling um for that now a little background story is two years ago while i was lighting the torches for that i had a and that's like in the woods i had this cop come up and spotlight us through the woods (laughs) (laughs) and so i walk out of i walk out of the woods with a torch and a cop spotlighting me in the eyes and saying um son what are you doing out here and i said said, it's okay officer um there's not there's nothing there's nothing to worry about we own this land and he, I think he probably thought like we were doing some satanic worship. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, luckily, this wasn't the, the um, you know, your you, you Canefield Classic and you like would have had a machete or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, fortunate for that. Yeah. Um, but that's, it, it, that's definitely made it, it. that That's like the highlight of that race. I love that aspect of just kind of putting a little bit of twist on it to kind of, you know, give someone that memory of something epic. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, um, but before we get into some of the other races that you've done and, and the, the craziness last year where you almost died, but didn't, uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, I, I just, I didn't, I need to make mention of this cause I think it's so awesome. Um, so in Louisiana that right now, kind of the major, um, in the South, I guess, major, uh, people putting on ultras in a lot of races. And you mentioned, um, uh, Cesar earlier and then, and Edie and you, so you're, you guys are all three race directors, you know, right. each other. And I mean, it, from, from, a you know, from a business perspective, you're, you're kind of competing, but I love that you guys all work together um, that you guys are helping each other out at races at, um, at, you know, at aid stations and different things like that. And, uh, man, I, I, 
I just I think it's cool, and I, I'd like for you to speak to that, man, and and um, you know, tell me maybe how do you how do you think that came about? Yeah, uh, you know, it, you know, I'll start with Caesar and I, um, because that's the longer relationship yeah. I have. Um, Caesar and I just, I don't know, you know, I did his race and walked away with a with a good friendship in 2009, and and we've stayed in touch ever since. And then when I started putting on um Kingfield Classic he started coming to that and helping out and, and then I'll drive out to his races and I've raced in them or I'll like this past weekend I drove out to his uh trail extravaganza which is a uh, one of his bigger um ultras he puts on it's a 52 miler and that's a, a really good event he does annually um gets about 200 people there uh but so you know, I just drove out there just to go out for, you know, five hours, six hours just to kind of help out. And yeah. I took pictures and things like that. And, you know, just to speak to it is that I, I think it just starts with the friendship and, mm-hmm. and, and realizing that, yeah, all of us have to cover our bills. You know, yeah. um, the, the reality is, you know, we're, yes, there's money. There's money in it, but none of us, that is not the driving factor for any of us. And and right. I can't necessarily answer for them, but I think that's what it boils down to is that the driving factor is that that we got into this because it's something we all loved. We loved running. Uh, we loved outdoors and we love people. And so that is the, the probably the three things that why we do it and why it's just like, yeah, if, I, I want Edie to be successful. I want Caesar yeah. to be successful. Um, because I think with their success, uh, you know, um, n- not even really thinking that way, but with their success, I know I'm going to have success too, you know, yeah. and if we can all bring each other up, the, the, the better their race becomes, I might go out to their race and be like, oh man, he's doing that this way. Maybe I can do that. And, yeah. and, and I've done that before. I've, I've had something that was kind of like a epiphany and I've called Caesar and I'm like, look. You need to do that at your races because it was a game changer in organization or something like something like that. And yeah, and they've done that. And he's done the same with me. And Edie and I have had um, phone calls and talks about, you know, how she does timing or, or whatever it is. And, you know, and I've gone to Edie's races and she's come to mind. And like you said, it's just, you know, um, I think we're all just passionate about the sport and mm-hmm our friendships and it, the, the business aspect is that that's really the second secondary thing. It's not the overriding factor for any of us. Yeah. And, and, and I just, like, like, like I said, I, I think it's real. you know, I know all three of you guys and, and just, you know, friends with friends with all three and, and just love it. Right. That there's that spirit of cooperation and, and uh, you know, just a camaraderie. So that, that's, that's really cool. You don't see that all the time and uh, I like it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, I like it too. Yeah. Well, um, so, so you, you started doing these, these races and, and I, to be honest, man, I didn't realize um, that for the Canefield Classic, uh, I didn't realize that it, that you've been putting it on that long. And I didn't realize you had people coming from that far to run around. Like, like you said, what we used to do as kids to run around in a cane, sugar cane fields, man. Right. So that's, that's pretty awesome. And so, um, it's insanity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you, you've got, you've got that going on. And, uh, but in the meantime, I mean, you're still, 
you're still running races. I, you know, I brought up earlier, um, we, we put on Red Dirt with Edie, and uh, that's a course we found and, and put it on. And you came out and ran the 100, and you, and you crushed it. Um, a course and- record. Come on, <laughs> you still yeah, course wreck. Hey, and t- I, I'm I'm trying to fit it in my schedule, man. I'm coming for it. <laughs> Go for it, dude. Go for it. I want. I, I mean, I'll be there. I would be there to pace you to beat my time. That's oh, yeah, I, I that's know, what I, I would want to see. Yeah, I I know you would too, brother. That's that's cool. Um, and then um, yeah, and so and then shortly uh, that that same year, later that year, you went to Brazos Bend, and I remember you and I talking about it. And uh, man, you you. Yeah, you you placed third at Brazos Bend hundred miler in a fifteen forty seven, and tell me about that. I want to hear you know, um, I want to hear about that whole process and running a race you know that fast. <laughs> right, um, it sucks. Yeah, fifteen hours and forty seven minutes a suck. Is that what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really did. Um, and you know, oddly enough, that race didn't go exactly like I planned. I, I was um, a li- little bit off of my 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 goal time. My overriding goal was to come in under fifteen hours, and yeah. that kind of um, that kind of disappeared after about you know thirty five miles. I kind of started drawing up new new goals as I was racing, which I you know I, I've been pretty good at that. I, I think as a mindset you. You have to be willing to adapt to the the course, and um, uh, you know, too many people, stuff starts going wrong, and they just let their head just destroy them. And so you gotta you gotta be be able to to do that. But so that race, it was a great day. Um, uh, Jason Wheat, um, ultra runner, I think he lives out in Tahoe now. He drove over there with me, and um, he crewed me single handedly and paced me and. Um, you know, the, the goal going into that race was to really, um, be comfortable in the pain cave mm-hmm. and just try to know that it was going to hurt <laughs> all day long. And so this is a crazy stat. Um, most runners and most people that I see during, during, uh, during, um, ultras, they come into an aid station, they stop, even the fast people, they stop, they get a sip of water, they kind of stretch their legs, then they go on. Yeah. My watch that day, my moving time was 15 hours, 44 minutes. Are you, are you serious, dude? Uh, my my <laughs> actual race time was 15 hours, 47 minutes. So three minutes <laughs> total that day I did, that I – and I, I never walked once. Wow. Um, the first time, and this may be a little more TMI, but the first time I peed was at 18 miles. I ran past the aid station, the, the first um, – the station, um, the start-finish, and I got out of sight of anybody, and I and I, I ran and peed running um, <laughs> because I was I was so focused on not losing any time. Yeah, and, yeah. And I had a setup with Jason Wheat where he had a – separate um vest for me with everything i needed and so mm-hmm. every time i came through it was a clear exchange yeah um, and only one time did i stop for my own to get a, my own water and i never stopped at an aid station on my own once <laughs> and I, I i peed four other times so that was wow. it that was that was it all day three minutes of um of of not moving <laughs> which That's, is crazy <laughs> yeah yeah I, i'm trying i'm trying to wrap my mind because i know 
even sometimes I stop, but then like, you know, sometimes I feel like, oh, that did me good. And I feel like I make up the time. And so I guess it just depends on how your what your game plan is, you know, and, and what you. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, that's why I told Jason, I told him that day I was like, I couldn't have squeezed any more time out of that. And he he this is after the ace. He goes, yeah, you, you didn't stop one second. And I'm like, no, I, I really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, crazy. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, you know, with that race, it was really just try to see how fast I could go. Yeah. Um, and, and and with with any hundred, you're, it's super head game. But with that going, you know, that much faster, it was very much like convince yourself that you can turn your legs over that much. Um, yeah. Uh, because I'm not the most – I think I have a very efficient stride, but I'm not the most talented ultra guy out there. You know, there's there's guys that are way faster than me in the marathon um, that that go out and, you know, you know, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> for instance, that day um, – uh, who was it that beat me? Um, oh, his name's slipping me now. Um, but eh. – uh, uh. I'm looking um, it up. Ed Brazos, Ben. Yeah, I'm gonna be disappointed. He's a friend of mine. Um, he's done Badwater. Uh, is it Wade Barrett or Ronnie? No, Wade Barrett got second. Okay, yeah, and Ronnie Del- Delzer. Yeah, Ronnie Delzer. So Ronnie Delzer um, won um, the USATF 100 mile championship two years in a row. Um, but great runner, great guys out of Texas. We we stay in touch. Um, but. He beat me by two hours that day. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, was, I was looking at it. I wasn't going to bring so, that up, but since you brought it up, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. So, you know, in, in my greatest race of my life at to date at that time, I got beat by two hours. So it's all relative. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, that was like, I think it ends up being like a 920 pace or 925 pace or something like that. So, it, you, you're definitely running all day long. It's it's yeah. not a shuffle or anything like that. And um, I had a little bit of heart stuff after um, Red Dirt. I don't know if you recall that, yeah. but it, yeah. or I was having like these weird arrhythmias and it was just like skyrocketing and then like dropping to like one beat every five seconds. And mm-hmm. and so when I was on my last lap of Brazo Ben. I knew I was getting in under my redialed up goal of 16 hours. And so I was like, my overall goal was not there anymore. 16 hours was a good goal to redial to. Mm -hmm. And I just told Jason, I said, you know, I don't want to over push this without having like the ultimate goal there. So, cause he was like, I know you're going to sprint the last 10 or you're going to run fast. (laughs) And I said, I said, actually, I figured out the math. I said, nope, if we just keep this 9.30 to 10-minute pace, I said, I'm going to be good to go. I said, I don't have to kill myself. Mm. Um, so did that, and, you know, it was it was a great race and super, super excited about it. And it kind of – at that time, I had never really thought of bad water. And something, <sighs> like, right within a week or two of that, I started like, huh, Maybe I could do that race. <laughs> and that's when the bad water bug hit. Oh man. Yeah. I, I um yeah, I remember when you started talking about that. And that, that was gonna be my next question. Where did where did you start to say, I mean, because we all kind of knew about it, you know, everybody knows about bad water, but then to say that, hey, I, I would like to 
I would like to do that. <laughs> that's a different, that's a different story, you know, from knowing about it. Right. So, um, so, so it was after that, that you kind of set your sights on Badwater and, and started kind of focusing everything on, on trying to get in. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was probably within a, literally a couple of weeks of that race. Um, I don't know if I was playing online or what I was doing. I saw some videos and, you know, like you said, I'd heard of it before. I'd seen videos. I knew some people that had been out there, but, you know, all kind of, um, you know, a little bit removed from, from, from the race, not like direct contact really. And so I kind of started looking into it and I think I even tried to, you know, just message I messaged the race director, which if anyone knows Chris Kosman, um, it knows Badwater. They know Chris Kosman is, you know, um, very um, known for that's his race. And so I messaged him and I just said, hey, I've, you know, followed Badwater a little bit and uh, I hope to apply this year. And it's an amazing race you put on if something like that. And yeah. it was somewhat knowing that it was a hard race to get in. And I just wanted to put my name out there. Yeah, just to yeah. kind of get like a hello, Chris. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. If he came across my application, he would go, "Oh, I've seen that name Walker Higgins before." <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, well, I, so I applied, and it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gotta do more. I didn't. I didn't get in the first year, and you know, I can't say I was really bummed. Um, my my wife, uh, we 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 watched the Facebook live video and she's like, I'm sorry. And I said, don't be sorry. They have no idea what they just did. <laughs> Little fire, huh, brother. <laughs> I said, they, they've never seen someone so focused. And I basically ran till my death in 2018. Yeah. Making sure my, my application was, sweetened enough to get into bad water in 2019 yeah i'm looking at everything you ran i was like yeah you pretty much did that's crazy and that doesn't even include you know i mean i i did i think i did seven ultras um and then i i paced i i, I paced a 40 mile finish at a 100 miler i ran 100k in france it doesn't show up on ultra sign up i um i paced I paced at Badwater. I think it. Oh, and I did um, a 72-hour adventure race. Oh, okay. I didn't know about that one. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, so I think it was like 10 or 11 ultra-type distances or longer that I did just to kind of make my my um, resume super sweet for Badwater. Um, and there's definitely a system you have to go through. Um, right. And so I dissected it. And I knew with the application, you can tell that they put some weight on preferred races. Mm -hmm. You can tell they put some weight on crewing at Badwater, which I would not recommend running Badwater without crewing. It's going to yeah. be a very sad experience for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and then I, um, uh, I, I – so when I immediately did not get in – I knew they had Badwater Cape Fear, mm -hmm. and so I looked at my wife and I said, "Okay, Badwater Cape Fear is in two weeks. Can I go race it?" She said, "Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> two weeks." <laughs> yeah, and it was nine days after finishing a seventy-two-hour adventure race. It was a brutal fifty-one mile on the beach race for me, but I got third overall, and yeah. that was the impact I needed. 
to get my name around the Badwater people because it's it, Badwater is like a race unlike any other. It's a family um, of people, mm-hmm. and it's it's super super fun group to be around and i met so many great people that weekend um on bald head island i recommend anyone to go to go try that race out it was just a blast um yeah. and i made a weekend out of it and i literally flew in ubered took a ferry out to the island stayed with the um a great family out there uh gerald tobias out of new york he's a great um uh filipino ultra runner and uh him and his wife donna they open their their rental house to me like i was part of the family and i had amazing um amazing curried filipino food i mean it was just it was like could this be the best weekend ever i was (laughs) like a king and i'm staying with like this family i didn't even know that treated me like family It, it was just great so that was my first experience in Badwater. uh in the Badwater family and at the finish line i met dan McHugh. Dan McHugh started talking to me and was like, hey, do you, are you doing salt and sea? And he's very New York kind of Chicago kind of talk. He's like, hey, man, you doing salt and sea? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I want to. I'm kind of on this team, but I don't know if it's going to work out. Well, that team was kind of not really working out um, because one of the guys had some knee issue or something. But I said, well, let's let's get on a team. He's like, I'm going to talk to. uh my teammate and see if she'll let 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 you on i was like okay let's do it um and he he ended up placing like fifth or sixth and i was third overall and so i was like man we've got two fast guys here um and uh the girl that was on the team was super fast as well so i was like okay well a week before she had some knee problems she couldn't run so Uh her and her um boyfriend and his brother flew out and they they crewed us and dan McHugh, who i just met a month before never run with a day in my life we we ended up winning overall at salt and at salt and sea 81 mile um team ultra so you have to stay together the whole time yeah and that race is freaking awesome i don't think i'm gonna be able to go this year but mm. that race is like i really want to go because we ended up winning in 2018 in like 15 hours and 35 minutes. And it was just an awesome race. I mean, uh, yeah. we, we literally had like almost the perfect race except for like one or two sections. We both kind of struggled. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, that was part of 2018 and we actually went back in 2019. We picked up uh, Jake Jackson a week before the race and he lives like an hour and a half from there. And he's, ridiculously good and uh we ended up setting the course record uh for three three man we beat our time by 30 minutes and we just had like a perfect day again um so it i i jokingly talked to those guys and i was like dude you do realize i was telling this to dan i said you know what you know if you win something three years in a row you know what that is in sports right and he was like no what (laughs) i said (laughs) I said, dude, it's a dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was like, we could go back and be like a Badwater dynasty. Uh, awesome. And it was really just kind of joking. I was kind yeah. of talk, talking into going back. But um, so I don't know if we're going to be able to make it this April, but Salt and Sea is an amazing race. And, you know, that kind of kind of skipped around a little bit. But that was 2018 was just a race, uh, uh, a year filled with sweetening my resume for Badwater. Um, it also include 
included um, besides Cape Fear and Salton Sea, which are his other two ultras. Yeah. Um, it included uh, Pinhody 100, mm-hmm. um, which is a preferred. It's on the preferred list of Badwater's preferred races. And then I also did. Yeah. So there's a list of about 20 races that are preferred. Um, And it's there's not really a rhyme or reason as to why they're preferred. Some of them are. uh, I mean, mostly they're all just known harder races. Yeah. yeah. Um, And and they're kind of in accessible regions. They're kind of spread out over America, around the world. Um, So it's about maybe 20 or 30 races there. Um, and then you have, uh, oh no, I did Barkley fall classic mm-hmm. and um, oh, yeah. that was ridiculously hard. I struggled a good bit there. Um, you know, didn't have my a race. I was in fifth at 19 miles, not far off a of fourth and third and second. I could see them all. And then I just absolutely blew up. Um, oh, and uh but but i came back and rallied and gained some spots at the end and so it was, it was a good finish for me um and uh you know and and i did desert solstice uh 24-hour race so i really just did like a i tried to just show how versatile i was yeah and make it to where they almost couldn't turn me down and at the same time you know sharing on social media what i was doing and um so it it, it really I, I think it helped me get in um, because I, I, I did not have a guaranteed spot or anything like that um, right. when Salt and Sea um, as a two-man team. Um, yeah. But um, so, yeah, I made it into Badwater. And... <laughs> I, well, I remember I, I was watching the, the online live while, we, you know, you were uh, watching the names go by and, and hoping right. to get in. And I, I remember – how excited you were. And then I was thinking, I'm so pumped for him. I was like, Oh crap. <laughs> He's going to have to go run that thing. You know? It's like, yeah. <laughs> so, right. so, okay. So you, you, you know, you have this, you, you know, we've all seen the documentaries. It starts, you know, death Valley, lowest place, hot. I mean, hot as Hades down there. And, um, it has such a reputation for just, you know, chewing people up and spitting them out with the heat. How did you, how did you prepare for that? What did you do? And now in South Louisiana, for the, those people who don't know, it is hot and it's very humid, and that can that can help. But you know, you're going to the the desert where it's it's dry. <laughs> so so so, what did you do, man, to prepare for that? Yeah, you know, uh, last year we actually had a long spring. It was like the longest spring I can ever remember. Yeah. And, <laughs> And I was not very happy. People yeah, were like, yeah, yeah. oh, it's so cool today. And I would literally be like, I know, I'm not happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> so they would think like I was crazy. Um, so um, what did I do to prepare? Let's see. Man, I um, I ran a lot outside, which is already part of what I do. Yeah. But, you know, the year before I ran a whole bunch outside and I was having tons of calf cramps. Hmm. Uh, and I maybe wasn't supplementing enough with supplementing enough with salts and things like that. So yeah. I really kind of cut down on my runs outside and maybe did one of my long runs and one short run on a treadmill inside just so I wasn't depleting my system and suffering as much. Right. Uh, I, I kind of, you know, there, there's a lot of different things I did uh, overall, but that was that was some you know i've always been a heat runner 
Um, I, I, I love running the heat. I, yeah. I like the feeling when I run a 20, 22 miler in the middle of the day and feel like maybe I died a little bit. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah. You know I'm, the feeling like where you like, like you like, man, part of me feels like I just died. That, yeah, that's kind of what I like. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, so, uh, so it, how appropriate for me, I guess. But yeah. so I was doing, you know, my long runs like that. And then I would, um, I, I, I wouldn't allow myself any splashing of water, any ice, any, anything on the face to cool me down on the body. I would drink ice water because I needed to be adapted to, to drinking cooler liquids. I didn't want to like not drink anything cool and then come bad water. I was just, you know, not, not able to take in cool water, right. um, which that was kind of a struggle in the desert drinking water that was too cold. It started really messing with me. Really? Um, so that, that's something you know, that runners have to be cautious of out there because the, the drastic change, you know, your body heats heating up and you put this, almost ice cold liquid into it it's hard to absorb and then you have to burn calories to absorb the liquid (laughs) it's it's, you know it's a it's a bad cycle so so um i started doing sauna work Um, i i don't think i started early enough this past year Hmm. and i don't think i did enough hill work um on treadmills i mean it's flat in louisiana so i should have done more um, hill work and I maybe should have done, um, more sauna work. I had some, I had the last year was a a very busy year. I I flew to France uh, a month out, um, from Badwater and I also moved at the same time. Uh, I literally moved two days before I flew to France. Um, and yeah, I mean, bought, bought a house and moved two days before I flew to France. Literally. Um, <laughs> wow. so, and then I was gone for 10 days and then back. And so it was, it, it was not ideal situation trying to go into bad water prepared. Yeah. Uh, but I, I tried to make the best of it. My mileage did kind of drop off. Um, so, uh, you know, there's, there's a few things that, that I'm hoping to, to be like, okay, the, these are things that these are hard line things that I, I can't let drop off this coming year. Yeah. I, I needed 80, 90 miles a week in my legs and suppose, as opposed to 65 miles, you know, yeah. uh, I needed the strength there and I, I needed other things, but with the, the stressors that I had externally, I kind of let some miles drop off because I felt like it was going to overload me. And at that time it might have, you know, yeah. Uh, so it, it, all in all, you know, the, the heat work was, was pretty important. Um, it was interesting because I was talking, I was in touch with some other people training for bad water and they would tell me like, Oh man, I'm, I can stay, I worked up to, I can stay in the sauna for 30 minutes. (laughs) I could stay in for an hour and a half. And I was like, okay, this is, this is fine. So my heat training was there, even though I don't feel like it was necessarily needed to be. Right. Uh, I was definitely, I was okay. I mean, I would, I would stay in an hour or maybe even a little bit longer, but really you don't need to go much longer than that. But I just wish I was doing it more frequently than I was. Yeah. To get so, that, all the, all the adaptations in your system and all that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And there's, there's so many different things to read up on and look at. And, um, uh, 
you know, yeah, <laughs> it, it's 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 very involved, uh, probably more involved than any partner or husband or wife wants their <laughs> their running partner to be involved. Yeah. Well, well, so I, uh, you know, you know, I talked before then, and I know you 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 assembled your crew, um, you know, um, and and went out there, and so you know, you had you had your game plan, you had you had a good crew. Who, who was on your crew? I know uh, Ed Melanson. Uh, who else was out there with you? Uh, a good friend, Francis Stibe. Okay. Uh, yeah. Ed Melanson, my wife uh, was our crew chief, Gabby okay. Higgins, yep, and um, a girl Melanie from Kentucky. Okay. Um, and so, um, so yeah, we had a good crew, and um, we, you know, we didn't we didn't know her, but she came recommended um, through the kind of the the ultra world and the badwater world. Yeah. Uh, and so um, we we ended up. You know, uh, getting assembled out there and uh, we didn't really have any meetings here. I kind of was, you know, there was a lot that maybe I want to do different this year. Um, I like I would see online about, (laughs) I don't know, some friends who were running. They were like, just met up with the crew and had this meeting and planned this. And I'm thinking, I didn't do that once. (laughs) Like we haven't done that at all. But um, we we got there and we we had a good idea of what, what we needed to do, um, and it, you know I definitely had a good crew. Um, Ed Malonso and Francis Stibe are uh, two of my best running buddies, and they run in the hot or cold with me. And I thought that they would be able to push me on the distance. Um, yeah. Both of them have done 100 milers. Both have done 100 Ks. Both have done, you know, long stuff, short stuff. Yeah, both and strong runners. They're both strong runners, and they've both seen me. Um, they've both been to races. Or I've raced. We've raced each other, and they've both crewed me before that. So, um, and seen me suffer. And 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 I don't know. I just felt like ha- a lot of people reached out to me that I necessarily wasn't friends with. But I felt it was important to have that bond um, so so we could, you know, run and talk about it heading leading into it. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, they, they would know what buttons to push. You know, Ed paced me at at the time at Red Dirt to my fastest 100 mile ever. He was the person that paced me the last uh, um, 50K. So yeah. I just felt like it was a good combo of people. And uh you know, um, with with that, you know, we we got out there and got to the start line, and well, we assembled all of our gear, and man, it's just a crazy list of <laughs> realize how much stuff you need to assemble and what you need to bring and what you're gonna get from Walmart while you're there. And um, hmm. now, luckily for me, I'm I'm a race director, so I have most of that stuff. So I actually brought a ton of stuff with me. Yeah this year i plan to um fly with my ice chest um just <laughs> put everything in it yeah and up and i we flew home with them because we bought them there but this year i'm just gonna fly with the ones i have here i actually have one i got home from badwater washed all my gear and cleaned it all up 
and I packed it all and it is sealed in my garage right now, ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. I like it. (laughs) And I actually, I actually wrote a gear list on top of it. So it's, it like, I can look in it and be like, okay, this is what's in here. Nice. Um, So that's, that's kind of nice little stress reliever. I don't even have to worry about that this year. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, You know, to, I imagine you're probably going to say, well, what was Battle Order like? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I definitely want to hear, you know, because, cause, you know, I know you had a plan, you had everything, you know, and I know you had had goals and, and you got it, you got it done. Um, but, you know, when you kind of like, uh, what is it, Mike Tyson says, everybody got gets a, has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. So, <laughs> so, oh, I, man. so yeah. <laughs> so tell me about that's getting a, punched in the mouth perfect, by bad water. <laughs> that's a perfect, perfect term. So, um, man, the desert is, uh, is a, uh, a cruel and, um, desolate place. Uh, so, Man, we we got out there, um, got to the start line. I was in the the last wave, which uh, Chris Kosman has what he terms the fast, faster, and fastest wave. Um, and one starts at, I believe, um, it's eight, nine thirty, and eleven, something like that, because they're an hour and a half apart. Um, so when you're driving out there, there's you're driving in on the way out to Badwater Basin and all these van lights are flashing and these runners are going by you and you have to go slow because there's people passing and it is, it is like otherworldly because it's the most desolate valley and the sun setting and these runners are going by you and people kind of running around frantically and, this is just all kind of crazy, man. It's like, it literally, <laughs> yeah. it's coolest experience. If you're an ultra runner and you have not crewed at Badwater, you're missing out because it is the coolest experience you've ever yeah. been a part of. Um, I mean, it, it literally, like, I have goosebumps right now because I'm super excited thinking about it. <laughs> um, awesome. so, so yeah, you, you get out there and, um, you, take pictures and Chris Costman goes through um, uh, this typical spiel of talking about the different stats and, you know, the finishers and the rates and uh, the area. And so you are in the bad water basin and you're literally standing on this wood platform above the basin where it's just like this weird seepage of salt that like is so crystallized and cracked up and, and you can see a sign 800 I uh, know 282 feet above you that on the side of the, um, the mountain wall and it says sea level. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so you're at, you're at the lowest point in the continental, um, us, if I yeah. have that correct. And, and so you, you know, whenever they, they count you down and you just start running and man, it's, we had, we had a tailwind. Uh, it was about 115 degrees and just ridiculous heat. But it's a dry and, heat, man. Come on, it's a dry heat. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm, I can, I'm, I'm from Louisiana. I can tell you that dry heat will destroy you. Um, and But I didn't – I felt hot as crap, but I did not feel like it was really bothering me. Mm-hmm. Um, and – 
you know, I, I was running strong, man. I actually led like probably the first mile. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So, um, came through mile 21. I was probably in like fifth. Um, I think it was mile 21. It's the first main checkpoint and, um, cruising along and feeling pretty good. But I I started to have some weird little stomach stuff going on Hmm. and made it about, um, seven miles further seven to eight maybe ten miles further and uh you start to there's some there's definitely hills man there's a lot more hills than i expected um in that section and so uh, my pace i was average was 845 i i think i probably should have been about a nine nine fifteen yeah um, i ran a little too fast for that section because the 845 that meant i was uphill i was having to push it yeah, you know, yeah. Um, so to make up because you, you don't really make up the distance, you don't make up the time and the downhill compared to the uphill, you know. Right. So um, we get to roughly miles, say, 33 or so, and you start to drop down heading into um, stovepipe wells. Um, and by that time, the it's not daylight, but you can start to see it's starting to get lighter because we started 11 p.m. at night. And okay. so we're getting to like maybe 35 and I pulled over and I had to go to the bathroom. I was uh, my stomach was something was wrong with my stomach. My stomach was starting to turn and um, it was tight. Well, right. Part of that, I've discovered that I had a hernia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had surgery um, at now, ten days ago. So I'm uh, that that has been resolved at this point. I don't know if that was what was going on then. Let me say that for insurance purposes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Because <laughs> uh, I just had the surgery this year, but um, but there was definitely some lower abdominal pain that I had been experiencing in multiple races for a couple of years. So. Um, so I got into Stovepipe Wells, and it's mile 42, and that's the next checkpoint after mile 21. And my goal was to get my last goal for that spot. My top goal was six hours. My last goal was 6:45. I got there when I left out of there. It was six hours, 45, 46 minutes. So I was right on, right on pace with my last goal. Yeah. But I was. Before I left out of there, I decided to pee into a cup. Well, <laughs> sad to say, my pee was amber beer brown. Yeah. Like a not like a like a dark amber. I don't yeah. drink, but I knew it was a dark amber. And I was like, yeah, oh, that's not good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I had been hydrating. Well, Ed's like, OK, you have to pound the water. So mm-hmm. the next 20 miles, I literally was just drinking water as it was coming out of my ears, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and But I'm cruising along. I, by that time, um, I was counting how many people I was passing from earlier ways just to motivate me. And I think I'd pass like 25 people. Mm. And so I'm like, and I'm cruising. I'm doing good. I'm taking names. I'm stealing souls. <laughs> <laughs> And I, and I was using them because, I mean, at this point, after 42, you're 18 miles of straight uphill going mm. until you get mile um, or maybe 16 miles. You get to mile like 58, 59, and then you start diving down. But I, so I'm picking off people and doing good. 
and then the pain just really starts coming and i had to sit in the van right before we hit the crest of mile um like 58.9 i think it is and that's mm-hmm. town pass and then you go down and you drop it into panamint valley and panamint valley is the hottest part of the race i think mm. it got to like 125 or something just obscene <laughs> yeah. yeah and so as you're going up stovepipe i mean um town pass the day daylight's coming up and you're full day by the start of you know really the start of that going up that area and then by the time you hit the summit of town pass and going down into um uh panamint valley the full you know the <laughs> the full effects of the sun are on you and they are just uh. barreling down and so you're diving down nine nine um percent decline which is just a quad destroyer yeah yeah absolute <laughs> destroyer of the quads and so we're bombing down into there and and we're rolling i'm rolling i can't remember the guy's last name this guy matt and him and i keep trading spots and i'm like damn he's flying and then i'd pass him <laughs> and i'd be like damn he's flying and then we i'd pass him again and he passed me and um so finally we get into the valley and i'm kind of feeling good and i peed and i peed clear and that was like <laughs> 20 something miles and not like barely being able to pee and pee in dark yeah <laughs> so i'm like yes like i'm super excited i'm rallied i'm back my wife hands me this some mango coconut drink and I, they drive off, and literally I take like three more sips, and I puke everywhere. Uh. <laughs> so all of a sudden, all the hydration I just had is gone. So we make our way to the van again, cross Panamint Springs, and I, um, I'm really bad shape at that time. Crossing, um, I mean Panamint Valley. You get to Panamint Springs on the edge, and it's, I think it's like 11 miles across the valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just, you're, you're, you're all of a sudden raised about 3000 feet higher than you were at mile 42, but now you're in a Valley again and it's 3000 oh, wow. feet higher. So it, it just keeps all the heat in there. Yeah. Huh. So you get to this, you get to this gas station. So I climb in the van just to cool off for a minute and I'll look at my wife and this is the first time I'm like, she's been in the car. Most of the time she was like the pilot. And it was like the first time we had any time alone and I just look at her and I, I start to talk and I'm like, it, it's just, and I just, I've never experienced oh. falling hard at this bad in a race. Oh, Hey, I lost you just for a second. You said you looked at her and what? Yeah, I'll, I'll say that over. Cause that's <laughs> pretty good. So, <laughs> so I climb in the van at, um, Panamint Springs after crossing the valley. And we, we kind of rallied across the valley. I, I felt pretty good, but then it, you know, it hit me again. And so first time really being alone again or at all for the entirety of the race so far because she had been the pilot. And so I'll look at her, I climb and I look at her and I try to kind of start gathering my words. And I'm in more pain than I've ever been in. And it's a result of just getting dehydrated from, you know the the pee and brown and the puking and so basically besides an injury everything that could go wrong at that point has gone wrong yeah um and i look at her and i think i think i came through 
like my top goal for that area was 12 hours and I came through at like 1330. So, yeah. I mean, really, yeah. I'm, I'm in shooting distance of having a great race still. Yeah. But I look at her and it just kind of hits me, the emotion. And, it, and I, I just say, babe. And all of a sudden, like my words just kind of crumble. And I'm like, it, like I'm trying to sound like how I sound. And I was like, it, it's just, I said, it's just so hard. And I could, like, I, was, I was starting to cry and I, and, and she just looks wow. at me and it's just like, I know it is, but you were doing so good. You, you, you really are. And I, I'm just like, and so I like, I just had to gather myself because I was yeah. like, I was like, I just need to sit here. And I knew that next section because I had crew it out there and I said, I need to pound some food. I need food in me because I have to have it for this climb. Because all of a sudden we're we're climbing from mile 72 to 82, 10 feet, 10 miles uphill again. Yeah. It's like it never stops. <laughs> so, um, you know, I gather myself, I kind of uh, I shake the emotions and I, I'm like, all right, we got to go. So I get moving again and just uh, I'm, I'm walking. I think I'm eating like a turkey and cheese roll up or something. I don't really recall. And um that that part is real hairy because there's limited access points uh because it's it's so many weaving back and forth on this this um very uh rocky terrain um and so you're climbing to father crowley and um really struggled our way up there back and forth with some runner i think was maybe from poland or something like that um and crazy enough we didn't see each other after that 10 mile section for the race and then all of a sudden we finished by each other. Oh, that's <laughs> so, crazy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, you, that's how that race goes out there. You might not see someone for 40 miles and then you're next to each other again. Oh, uh, but we, we ended up getting out of Father Crowley. We um, got buzzed by the uh, F-16s that fly through there, which is freaking epic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, get through mile, I think like 90 checkpoint. And we're a few hours off where I wanted to be at mile 90, but I get to mile 100 at 21 hours. And I'm like, mm. I'm like, damn, that's a solid freaking 100 mile race. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> and I just went through hell. So I'm like, all right, I'm doing the math and I'm stoked. And I'm like, I'm like calculating. And Francis is like, man, you. I can't even keep up with all the stuff you're calculating and, and, uh, <laughs> cause he's crewing me at that time and doing good. And I get to like mile 110 and I died. <laughs> <laughs> Crash I don't burn, even man. know what happened. I fell apart and there, there's sections through there. I don't think I really remember. Oh. Uh, I do remember feeling like the van went and drove off like maybe five or 10 miles in front of us. Like why'd they drive so far? Um, I do know that my good friend, Ed Melanson is, um, he is not going to give you compliments. He's going to beat you down until you do good. And all of a sudden at about a mile 116, I realized Ed was being positive and I look at him, I go in my slurred voice and hunched over and I said, Ed, what, is it, what are you doing? And I said, you're being positive. I said, who are you? 
I'm just, oh man, you're doing great. You're doing really good. Well, looking back, I realized that now Ed, who was being positive, that's the only time I've heard that personality come out of him in my life <laughs> because I think he thought I was going to die. <laughs> mile 115 to 117 took me 52 minutes to go less than two miles. It was like Holy 1.8 miles. Smokes, man. That's I was crazy. Over, like basically like a hunchback. God. I was literally slurring all my words. I was peeing every probably quarter mile to mile. God. At one point, Ed said the joke was that I was going to pee on – they have all these like metal poles like every probably <laughs> 200 feet. I don't even know why they're there. They're not even like – I don't know what they're there for, but they're like every 200 feet on the side of the road. And he was like, are you going to try to pee on every single one? <laughs> you're marking your territory, bro. <laughs> I was literally – and I kept – I was worried because I'm like – I just peed like for 30 seconds, and I peed 30 seconds – a half mile ago and I did it again and again and I wasn't drinking that much. So I said, where's all this water coming from? Mm. So something was not processing right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I got to mile 117 and I was worried. Um, I sat in the van and I was severely out of it. The crew was doing great. Um, uh, we're all very tired at that point. Yeah. Um, at that point I'm, basically way off my goals and got in the van and my wife looks at me and says babe what are you doing hmm. and i knew at that point i was really worried because my concern of her concern had started really setting in because i knew i was pushing myself yeah. and i knew that i was pushing myself even though i wasn't going fast but i was worried that maybe i was causing some problems and doing some damage. Yeah. Um, being the first time I'd ever been in that kind of experience. But I mean, I've, I've hallucinated in races and yeah. multi-day adventure races, but this was beyond that. This was, you know, I was probably rhabdo in my kidneys and I, I don't know, I was all kind of stuff. So, and everything that went wrong that day was severely hitting me at that time. So I ended up, um, basically, saying I need to take a nap. I slept like 10 minutes and in my mind I was ready to go again. But what happened next is what lit the fire. And so I got out of the van and the crew's behind the van, excuse me. And and I'm like, "What are you guys talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "Look at me like, well, you're about to die, so we're deciding if <laughs> if we're going to pull you and I, and I can't remember if they said anything or not, but I said – I remember looking at Francis, and I said, uh, what do you think? Or no, I looked at Ed, and I said, what do you think? And he goes, um, I, I just I just don't – I just don't know, you know, mm -hmm. and – and I could – I felt even though I knew it wasn't disappointment, that's what I felt in their eyes. But I think it was just um, sadness of maybe a um, a goal unachieved, you know, forecasting what maybe it was going to do to me. Yeah. Because um, I've, I've never – 
I've never DNF'd a race, which is mm. it's okay if you do. It happens yeah. to literally the best of the best in the world. But it's it's a goal that I've had that I've been able to maintain up until this point. And so, you know, they um I think they were worried about that. You know, mm. that goal, the goal of unachieving bad water. Um and so like it was it was emotional. I'm you know I'm seriously emotional talking about it right now because it was just very who it brings you back in that moment. And so yeah. having the whole crew look at me because I know they just want they wanted it so bad for me. Yeah. But they were worried. I mean, just we were all very worried. And uh we were in that together. Mm. And so I looked at my wife and you know, uh, we had exchanged some of those same words before I took that little nap, but that nap definitely reset me um, because she had expressed her concerns and I and I had expressed that I was equally concerned because we just needed to be in that moment together. Yeah. I looked at Francis and I said, what do you you know, what do you think? And he said, um, you can do this race. But today's just not your day. and i looked at gabby and i said can i try and she was like yes yes you can try and so uh so and she said well who do you want to take with you and she says she knows why and i don't know i don't know if it was a conscious decision but i told francis she said i pointed at him and i said you (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> and she says she knows why because she said francis told you you couldn't do it <laughs> so we started moving and it was not fast but i started moving and um the joke is is that like as they passed me they looked at me and i was like i looked at them like this little boy like that was like i'm doing it i'm doing yeah. it look at me i'm doing it <laughs> and so there's still that joke there I don't think I played off like that little boy. I think I was more tough, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. And then my wife paced me some, and then, you know, we just went back and forth. And, um, you know, we made our way into Lone Pine and used the facilities there and got ready for the final push. And I think I laid down on the asphalt for a minute. Felt like I needed to lay down and – Kind of the times were out of the window. I wish I would have been able to focus in, but now it was like, okay, I know I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Let's just let's just do it. And yeah. um, made my way up. Like now, looking back, I'm like, why didn't I get? I was only six minutes off from going under 34 hours. Why didn't I zoom <laughs> into that? Which I'm always able to draw up those final goals, but it was like, all right, let's just get this sucker done. And um, made our way up and had some beautiful views and vistas. And that, that's the other thing that I didn't talk about quite a few times. I fully absorbed what I was experiencing by taking a moment to look back with Ed as we're climbing town pass and experience that with my wife. And we stopped and took some selfies, which I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, who am I? I don't take selfies doing race. <laughs> okay the goals are kind of out i'm gonna i'm gonna live this moment and and man uh it was it was a a transformative experience it mm-hmm. was it was by far um it, i guess i'll say it is it was a highlight of my ultra 
you know, ultra running career and experience. I mean, I've experienced some amazing things that running the beaches of Normandy and that has a whole nother importance to me, um, outside of ultra running, but it, bad water in itself, just the realization of that overriding goal, um, of completing this race. It was just like a mythical creature out there that you've heard of. I mean, it's like the Loch Ness monster. Of old- <laughs> yeah. I said monster, which that's always been a problem. monster. <laughs> let me correct that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, so yeah, it's that that's, um, it, it was amazing. And, and the, just being able to run into the finish with your crew, cause they park and they can do like the last quarter mile with you. Yeah. Um, and my wife being there and two great friends and, um, man, it was, it was epic. I I can't, I can't imagine after all that time and, and extreme suffering to, to just to see that finish line, you know, just, (laughs) yeah. And I'll tell you what, it's not an easy climb to the finish (laughs) because if, if, if anyone listening to this does not know at 122 miles, you turn up um, to Lo- Lone Pine. No, I mean, um, you turn up to uh, – you're in Lone Pine, and you um, turn up to Whitney Portal to head up the mountain to Whitney Portal. And you're basically 5,000 feet of elevation and 13 miles away. Oh. <laughs> and there's yeah. no reprieve. It doesn't go downhill, but maybe like 30 feet that whole time. Yeah. <laughs> so, and also at that time, I am not acclimated to elevation. So you go into 9,000 feet roughly or 8,800 or something like that, 8,200 maybe, but you're fully in to breathing hard. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and, and so it, it, it is a, it's a grind. The finish is a, is, is, is definitely a grind of, I mean, you think for you know, 13 miles, you know, oh, I can do that in two hours or, <laughs> you know, three hours. I mean, it, it's, it's a long uphill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just beat you down. I don't know how many hours it took us probably four and a half or five hours or something, which, you know, I, I did kind of hike most of it. Um, yeah. I think, you know, if, if, if stuff went, excellently i could probably a very slow jog to an alternated hike i could do um but but you know the the finish is amazing you you take your standard picture that people have seen for years with your crew as you're running into the finish you yeah. take finish picture with the buckle you take a picture with chris Cosman, um and uh you know it it's um it's, it's, it's just, just a great, great finish. And, uh, I, I've made quite a few friends in that whole community. Um, and, uh, you know, that's been just, just awesome. And after you, you, you finish, you, you get to experience that, that camaraderie because that night on Wednesday night, you go and you have a pizza party at the, um, the school in uh, Lone Pine and, all of the finishers there and everyone gets called up to be individually recognized. Wow. So it's, you know, and the whole crew's there, all of the runners are there, everyone's eating pizza. And, um, uh, unfortunately with the timeline, 
um, some of the last finishers um, maybe don't get to make that if they, you know, if they're kind of out of that last bit finish. But I, I know last this past year, the last finisher drove down and came straight to the pizza party. And so everyone got to cheer on. And I think it was a girl, if I remember correctly. Um, and, and so it, it makes an awesome experience. I mean, that's cool. It's getting to do that because, and, and then the really cool thing is after everyone goes to Jake's saloon, it's on the strip in this little bitty town, which is this old timey saloon and everyone drinks and has fun and is telling stories. And, um, it, it was just, you know, just a life changing experience. And, you know, for me, um, I don't know if you had any questions to ask afterwards, but I can tell you looking back on it, it's like a dream. I think because <laughs> even though I've never put, I'm I'm not someone that really limits myself. I mean, I cocky or confident or whatever it is. I mean, I think I can do it typically, you yeah. know, maybe outside of some speed things. I mean, I've never I'm, just had this, undying belief that i'm gonna get whatever it is i'm gonna get it done yeah yeah <laughs> but <clears throat> i don't know if i ever truly thought when i first heard of bad water if i would be a finisher if i would race it and just um which i think is important for ultra running is having that overriding gratitude mm. you know that that that's something that deep in that you look back and reflect and be thankful for whatever the experience is, whether it yeah. be the suffering. I mean, I'm greatly thankful for that suffering right now. <laughs> I don't know why, but <laughs> I, I'm truly thankful that, that I got to experience that and, and go through that and that bond that I formed with Ed and with Francis and my wife and, um, and the other runners that, that, that unspoken bond of being a bad water finisher, what, what that means. I mean, it doesn't, are we better than anybody else? No. But have we experienced something that hardly anyone else will ever experience? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it, it, it's just awesome. It's just it's just awesome. So um, just a great experience. And there's some great, um, uh, great videos. If anyone listened to this, hasn't watched them, uh, Running on the Sun is an epic mm. Uh, move movie um and the race director at the time uh badwater bob super nice guy um we've become friends through social media and we've stayed in touch with each other um it follows him and the runners at the time i believe it was like maybe 98 1998 um i think it was gabriel gabriel uh, flores i think was the winner uh, i could have the the name wrong but um and uh who's the other and that's Sean O'Brien. It was another uh, Eric Clifton. I mean, okay. if you know running, the Clifton shoe is invented after him. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty big ultra runner. Um, and and so like you know the greats, <laughs> yeah. essentially have run that race, and so it just makes it um that much more special and 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 uh and amazing. But back to the the videos I was speaking of. <clears throat> Um, there's also a great video that I run for ultra came out with last year. I think it's like for sale on like Venmo, uh, not Venmo. Um, what's the other, the video app, uh, not YouTube, but the Amazon or is it on it? You no, know, it's it. I don't think it's on Amazon, but it's called, um, indomitable. Oh, okay. That yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you've seen the preview. I've posted it before on um, social media. That preview is like if you watch it, your hair's not standing up <laughs> because it's like, oh my god, <laughs> it's almost like a, a alien video. It's so like, uh, like gets you so psyched. Um, but man, it's just you know awesome and um. You know, I, I did submit my application actually yesterday <laughs> for 2020. I saw that. I saw that. Glutton um, for punishment. <laughs> yeah, glutton for punishment. And, um, you know, under the video, I hashtagged um, guaranteed entry. And um, if anyone doesn't know my my race team um, that we raced Salton Sea last year, I talked about that earlier in this video, mm-hmm. that we, we got a guaranteed spot. Um, all oh, three of okay. us, Jackson, Dan McHugh, and myself. So, the application was merely a formality for the three of us, which, you know, we're very fortunate. That's the case. It definitely is a, a different feel um, knowing that, that I'm in. Yeah, um, yeah. No kidding. <laughs> so now it's both down to, you know, um, getting the, the announcement, the field, and um, paying that um, that entry, um, which, you know, is, is substantial. But, you know, I guess you, you put the money in to the things you love. And, and so I've made this a priority for this year. And, um, if, if everything continues well with my recovery from my hernia surgery over the next four, three and a half weeks, I'll be paying that entry on the last day. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, have three more cycles of, um, uh, running cycles before I've already looked at the math. I mean, of course I know my calendar, (laughs) (laughs) um, but I did not do that before surgery because I was like, okay, I'm not going to even go there. It's just, why am I going to waste my time? I don't know what's going to happen. So, um, and then be, be ready for, I think it's July, uh, 6th for, um, 2020 and, um, hopefully go out and maybe, you know, maybe I can, um, Maybe I can um, luck up and get a finish, and hopefully that finish can uh, can maybe not experience the puking and the um, severe dehydration and hallucination and everything else I experience. But if it does, we're just gonna ride that train till we get there. Just get it done. Get it. Yeah. yeah. That, well, and and it's like anything, man. The more you you know you, I don't it, like when I did my the first two hundred. Like there's you can prepare. You know, as much as you can, but nothing, nothing can adequately prepare you for it. You know what I mean? Like until you do it, you don't know, <laughs> you know, you think, you know, but you don't know. <laughs> right. There's nothing like, um, um, the, the in ultra experience to make you realize that you, you know, what is it? Uh, you know, nothing, John Snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exa- exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, um, it was, you know, a whole do- dose of reality of things I had not really experienced in an ultra race. So I'd puked before I'd probably had some dehydration before I had some th- pains, but I had never had everything yeah. at once or throughout. <laughs> so well, um, so, I know, I, I know it was exciting to, you know, to have you, to watch you out there and, and, uh, and just get all the updates and everything. And, and, and this year it'll be the same, man. When, you know, when you're, you're out there, you'll have a, you'll have a, a group of people from, uh, Oklahoma cheering for you, as well as a whole lot of people in Louisiana, <laughs> you know, following along and, um, you know, cheering you on, man. And, uh, I, I, I mean, knowing you, I, I know you'll, um, 
you, you'll crush it, you know, going back and, and just learning and, um, you know, that, that 3406, which is, which is awesome, you know, just getting it done. But, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I know you'll, you'll tick off quite a few numbers off of that. So, uh, I, yeah, it'll be good, yeah. man. That I I appreciate that and I I, I hope so. But <laughs> something that um Chris Kosman talks about is that it in the last few years it definitely has he's seen more people drop because they fall off their times. I don't hmm. believe that. You, you, yeah. When you sign up for a race, you didn't sign up necessarily for a fast time you sign up to finish the race is the is the overriding overriding goal and focus and so um did i want to be out there 10 hours longer than i my <laughs> ultimate goal or nine hours longer because my ultimate goal was like in the mid 24s and I finished in yeah. 23 hours. I mean, 34 <laughs> hours. <laughs> so no, I definitely did not want to be out there any longer. And was that morally defeating when I was at 110 miles and still had all that distance to go and I was dying? Yeah, it really was. But I, you know, I had to redraw up the goals and, and, and yeah. that's life. And, and too many people are quit and ultra run and ultra runs of any distance because maybe something's gone wrong or you know sometimes you just have to sit down redraw up the goals refocus them and go back out there and 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 if it happens again i hope i have the the wisdom and the the fortitude to do that yeah 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 well man well man um I, I love loved hearing the story because I never got to to you really hear the whole thing and um and uh, man I appreciate you taking you know taking your time and and um out of your busy schedule to to share with everybody I know there's gonna be a ton of people that that are gonna love to to hear the story and probably some some badwater hopefuls that <laughs> that might be able to learn a little bit uh, right. yeah. from all that. that. I hope so. Maybe we can do a a, a follow up heading into it of you know maybe essentials or something along the lines on how to prepare. You might be able to yeah, put something out there for that. So, I mean, I, you know, there's so many details and I know this was a long podcast, but there's so many details that we can dive into on, on, on things to, to do and tricks I've learned from veterans and things that I learned through hard knocks. Yeah. 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 We could, we could definitely do that, man. Well, before we uh before we sign off for tonight, man, uh, I always like to go through and ask uh you know a few questions on what what gear you're using for your uh your your just your races in general. Um, and the first thing is like what hydration pack you use. I was trying to think like I don't even know what you use, man. What which what what do you use when you're racing? Yeah, so um I know that you're uh, um immortal if I'm correct, right? Yep, Are yep, you still? Ultra, yep, yep. With Ultra okay, Fire, yep. So- Ultra Aspire. Um, so I use Ultra Aspire. Um, I, I love their stuff. I've, I've mm-hmm. used it for about, I don't know, a year and a half now. Um, and just the team of people there. I, I actually was a sales rep for them in 2019. I'm, I'm no longer, um, but I still use their product. I love it. Um, uh, in, in the past, I've also used Orange Mud. I do like Orange Mud a lot as well. Um, but right now I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with ultra spire. I use a, a variety of packs. The Isoversa handheld, mm-hmm. um, is probably my favorite handheld that they produce. Um, 
and um and then for for lights you know because they they do that as well yeah um, the waste light is a total game changer i love it um, <laughs> And if people try to argue it, like I'll literally, I mean, I was a salesman for them for a while, yeah. so <laughs> yeah, I can show you everything. But like, I will literally break it out and do demos, <clears throat> and people are like, okay, I probably didn't ask for that much, but it having a uh, a light go down on your waist, it, it creates way more visibility. And then the secondary light being on the head, if you want that, is great as well. But so I love their 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 lights. They're super bright. Um, made very well charge easy long battery life all those great things about them um and so that that's my primary use of of equipment and then um you know i'm on the red team i've been with them for a few years um yeah the the ultra red team um so i i I run in um ultras and i use um for bad water i use the duos um Mm -hmm. because they're a nice stack height highly cushioned and um and super light, like 7.9 ounces, and they're like yeah. a, I think like 32 <laughs> stack height or something crazy. Yeah. Uh, so that's the shoe I really like. Um, and then also they produced this light, light gray color last year with white, which I was like, okay, this is like the shoe made for bad water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And nice. then um, running gear, you know, basically I'm just um, – Whatever works, I run in – when I race, I do uh, like a, a race tight short. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but typical road running or trail running, I might – I typically don't do like a tight. I'll probably run in like a um, – or compression shorts, I mean. Um, I would normally run in like a pair of Lululemon shorts. I really like one of their – I think it's like a Surge or something like that. Mm-hmm. I really like those for running short. and um, And then hydration – um, I'm kind of playing with that because w- the, what I experienced at Badwater, uh, I didn't do well with the high sugars, um, mm. what I was using at the time. Um, I was using Gatorade Endurance, which yeah. I crushed it in a few races before that with Gatorade Endurance. Um, I just don't know if it did well in the heat out there for me. So it's no knock yeah. on Gatorade Endurance. I love the stuff. I absolutely did really well at Salt and Sea and a few other races. Um, but I, I've recently been exposed to the spring stuff a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And um, that is delicious. <laughs> Long haul peanut butter or something. That thing is amazing. Yeah, I, I did and, uh, the, my, my uh, the treadmill challenge. I used right. spring energy for that. And it was, <laughs> it was pretty good. So good. I, I kept eating them from my friend that I was crewing at Tunnel Hill. And I kept stealing his, so I didn't have to eat my, my gels I brought with me. <laughs> um, nice. And I've always liked honey stinger waffles. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, they're a little hard to get down when I'm dry mouth. But um, if I get a little water in the mouth, uh, I like them, and they do really well with digestion for me. Yeah. Um, and then um, I love Carbo Pro for like a, a high carb. And then I take like your um, – you know, standard salt tabs and Carbo Pro makes great salt tabs and stuff. So that nice. kind of runs the gamut. Uh, and then, man, I swear by Ingenji socks. Yeah, same, so, same, man. <laughs> if, if people tell me they don't like them between the toes, I might do just put them on, run a few miles, it disappears. Like, yeah. literally, it's going to save chafing. And some people are like, well, I never get chafed between the toes. And, and I'm like, well, I remember last month when I saw your post – 
and you had all these blisters on Facebook of you <laughs> popping blisters or something, which <laughs> public service announcement. People, please don't put your feet out there on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. but, but anyway, like I, I love Ingenji socks. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, that's that's kind of the main stuff I do. And then for tracking, total fan of Coros. I switched over to Coros GPS last year. Um, I actually, um, I'm the current sales rep for them in Louisiana, Texas, um, uh, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Mm. Um, but let me just preface that by saying that I bought the watch and was sold by it before I even knew about the possibility of repping them. Um, <laughs> I, I st- and then I, then I pursued it because I was literally sold on the brand and I'm like, this is awesome. <clears throat> so just a little tidbit, people that are, that do long ultras, they want battery life. My, um, apex by Coros, not the apex pro just a standard apex it's a 350 dollars watch it lasted for the entirety of my 34 hour um, bad water race on full tracking mode not an ultra track full tracking mode with heart rate and bluetooth 30 wow. plus hours <laughs> and it, it still i checked my watch after uh, but this is right before I passed out on the bed in Lone Pine after the race. And I was like, it still says 6%. I, my charger, I didn't charge it until I got home two and a half days later. And it was at like 1%. And so it literally lasted like three days after finishing, uh, um, you know, 135 miles running for 34 hours. So in, ex- in extreme heat, <laughs> in extreme heat, you know, things that should mess up the tracking with heart rate, with Bluetooth going, you know, not dumbing it down any, uh, which I was like, well, this is a good testament because the watch is rated at 35 hours. Yeah. Like, no kidding. <laughs> I'm like, wow, it actually almost lasted to really 35 hours of full GPS. So, you know, um, and I know that's that's twisted in there with saying I'm a rep for them. Yeah. But. I bought the watch and was sold on it way before I did that. So, well, that's so, awesome. Yeah. Cool, man. But, cool. Well, man, I, I, like I said, I appreciate you taking the time and, uh, man, look, look forward to seeing what you got going on this year. And I hope, you know, we talked before about, um, about Louisiana boys meeting up somewhere for a race and going to try to wreck shop. We might have to try yeah. to do that at some point, man. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll have to, uh, compare schedules and see what we can come up with. Well, there you have it. You guys ready to run Badwater or what? <laughs> I think I'm going to pass on that one and just uh, keep doing my uh, mountain runs, man. Uh, Walker's a beast. And, you know, after all that suffering, and he's going to go ahead and uh, he's going to do it again. Learn from his, his the things he did wrong and uh, and give it another go. And so I'm excited for him. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, man, for any of you who are really interested in running Badwater, um there's a lot of information there and we'll probably get together again like we said and um and as it gets closer and talk about his preparation and and probably talk about how this one went compared to the last one so anyway hope you guys are doing great um hope you're having a, a good weekend getting some miles in and just uh just loving life take care guys 